so much of my identity in what I was putting out into the world, mm. you know, and work was everything. We fumble over ourselves and we think, oh gosh, I can't, you know, mm. my baby brain, and, oh God, mum brain, I'm so tired, blah, blah, blah. And actually, we've got so much more to give, so much more to offer in the work spaces and in the business spaces. And we just need to give it a shot and have that confidence to go out and get it. Charlotte Squires has lived many lives in her 30 years. She's been a small business owner and now she's a doula. She survived cancer and went through a pregnancy loss before becoming a mother of two. In this episode, we discuss finding your why in work and in parenting, the importance of communication in sharing the load, and why the principles of care and support relevant to the work of a doula should apply for life, not just those early postpartum days. I'm Lucinda, this is Ready or Not, and here is the wise beyond her years, Charlotte Squires. Hello, Charlotte. Can you please start by telling us a little bit about your family and also about your career today? Hi, Lucy. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited to be a part of the Ready or Not community. So my name is Charlotte, as you said, and I am commonly known on Instagram as the living doula which is, um, as it explains in my name, I am a doula. So I I guess I'm 30 years old now. So I've been in the workforce for an upwards of about 15 years now. My first job was working in retail and absolutely loved that fun, you know, bubbly experience of working in fashion and clothes, which was a huge creative outlet for me as a teenager. I then went into doing some youth work as I, throughout high school, I engaged with a foundation here in Victoria called the Reach Foundation. And I worked there as a youth worker for about five years while I went, finished high school. So through from 15 to about 20, 21 around there. Wow. I made some really big and deep connections with friends. And as I'll continue to talk about my partner, who's now my part, who is now, <laughs> you know, the father of my children, I met him there as well. So um, a really big and pivotal part of my life that still influences so many areas now happened in that organization. Um, I then went on to become a, a stylist, so a fashion stylist. So I linked back through with that fashion um, and continued to do that and working with clients one-on-one. And then I ended up opening up my own store and lifestyle store at, at the age of about 25. And I had that store for three years and worked there and uh, was a part of the community, which was a very special time of my life, getting to own a business and and really, you know, see it from the ground up and see these regular faces every day. And I really felt the value of community at that time. And around while I had that store, I ended up being diagnosed with cancer. So I went on a huge health journey and ended up not working for a period of time, which was Mm. an incredibly insightful and um, reflective time for me, not being part of the workforce for a period of time, but not, you know, being pregnant or having a child or anything like that. So I was leaving mm-hmm. the workforce for a very unique, ex- for a very weird and unique experience as a woman. And um, and what happened to your business at that time? I'm trying to reflect because I've mm-hmm. known you for a while, which I guess mm-hmm. anyone listening wouldn't know, but yeah. you had this beautiful shop and your sister managed the cafe slash mm-hmm. owned the cafe next door. So it really was a beautiful community, mm-hmm. which comes back to even what you're doing now. Um, <laughs> how did that add to the stress of what you were going through health-wise? It was 
the business took a huge impact of me from me not being involved in the face of the business. That was 100% Mm. my focus. My business partner and my sister had the cafe next door and my mum and uh, and I were involved in the in the lifestyle store next door and you know I think for me to have to step out at that time because it was just too risky being customer facing at that time my immune sure. system couldn't take it so I did step out I still managed the Instagram and the emails and did lots of you know that buying aspect and things from behind the scenes but not having yeah not having that consistent person who knew what was going on at, at all times I mean the girls did a fantastic job of holding it all together mm. but they had lots of plates spinning, including, um, you know, being a mother, being mothers at the same time, running two businesses, um, you know, and, and just a massive staff that they had at the cafe too. There was just so much going out and they really did take the reins and we had to em- employ a few more people to take that on. But it was a huge, uh, yeah, it took a huge hit. And it, we definitely saw that in, in the sales and ultimately the success of the business. We ended up having to close it about a year, 18 months after I got back into work and it was just so different when I came back also probably because I'd been through such a huge change and transformation myself mm. you know my values and priorities had changed and shifted so much being unwell um but yeah to see that business go from such high highs to such low lows because of you know things that felt so out of our control at the time was was really hard and, and you know hard to process at that time um was that a big identity shift for you I imagine that would have been huge huge I found so much of my identity in what I was putting out into the world Mm. you know and work was everything because we lived above it as well so it was so much a part of my life it's like we just lived and breathed that beast that was Mm. the cafe and the store and you know I don't think anybody saw me out of those four walls for like three years because it was just where (laughs) I you know it was it was so much a part of me and we put so much of ourselves into those businesses and so when and it they, was a beautiful and thought out space too by the way thank you so much it was and it meant so much to so many people in the community and it was so funny because by the end you know when we were trying to you know bring back that clientele and really like boost that sense of community again when i was coming back we we're actually running a lot of workshops and a lot of workshops for women and it, based around well-being and um it was so interesting to see I guess a store doing that kind of stuff it's so normal and common now and it's so much Mm. about where the world is now but because of what I'd gone through that we kind of became our focus and we all were impacted by my sickness and we were all kind of banded together and it was very special being in business with women and mutually supporting each other I was in my 20s my sister was in my 30s my business partner was in her 40s and my mum was in her 50s and so just to have all those different stages of life working together and we all brought so much so much different energy to the you know the whole space and it was just pretty epic place to be a part that's of and amazing. I'm so proud so of many it. different generations yeah and so I guess as well that sort of brings the business side to what you're doing now then mm-hmm. there's the care element of what you went through mm-hmm. for having such you know a profound sickness mm-hmm. and then getting through that and then there's the birth of your beautiful children. So I guess that has all come together to contribute to the living doula. Can you tell us a little bit about your children and your family? Absolutely. Yes. And you're so right. There is so much synchronicity. As I speak, you'll probably see why I've found myself in the work mm. that I do. Um, but after I was sick, my, um, you know, what I really realized in that time is how much I wanted to be a mom and that I actually couldn't silence that voice anymore. And so around, yeah, that age of 
26, I realized I was like, I can't push this calling down anymore. Mm -hmm. And I, my partner and I, Jack had some really beautiful, big conversations and we, um, I, I, you know, I, we'd always know that we wanted to have kids, but I was like, I can't wait any longer. Like I can't do the house, the marriage, all that stuff beforehand. Like it just mm-hmm. isn't making sense <laughs> to me. And you'll probably hear through my life. I don't really follow the status quo. I do what feels right for me and my partner and my family. And so um, ultimately we did to start to decide to start trying for our children. And we ended up having Rupert. We actually had a loss first before we had Rupert, which was mm. completely devastating after experiencing sickness as well. And then we had beautiful Rue in 2019, the June of 2019, he's now three and a half. And then in 2020, July of 2021, we had our daughter, Honey, who was a surprise pregnancy, but nonetheless, very welcomed and excited to have her as well. And, um, and I have my beautiful partner, Jack, who is an incredible support. And yeah, that's my little family. We currently live on the Mornington Peninsula, very close to you, which is wonderful and uh, building a very, yeah, beautiful community down here. So that's us. And it's great to now have you close by, even though right now we are on Zoom, which seems a little bit counterintuitive given you're only 15 minutes down the road. <laughs> but anyway, that is the life of parenting. Mm-hmm. And just on that, you experiencing that loss after you'd already been through so much with your diagnosis and treatment of cancer. How did that sit with you in that pregnancy with Rupert? Was there any insecurities or nerves around it happening again? Did it sort of, I guess, teach you any lessons about what other women go through in terms of falling pregnant that might have sort of, you know, at the time been quite an upsetting process, but ultimately could have enriched your work as a doula? 100%. I really, really believe that it was, it was, there was so much anxiety around being pregnant with Rupert because it was Mm. just so, so fearful of that loss happening again. And I really, I knew that loss was just a part of being pregnant and, and that whole experience, but I just, I think I just thought, okay, my hard times are done. And I just parked it in the corner. And and now, of course, I'm, you know, have grown so much from that experience and it pushed me so much further to, you know, to understand that life is, there's there's so much that happens in a lifetime Mm. and that, you know, we are exposed to so many different things that bring up so many different emotions and feelings. And I'm, you know, that the human experience isn't just like, one thing one hard thing and boom off you go you're great now <laughs> like off you go and I'd be nice it was paid your dues move on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then I guess as I've matured and and reflected more deeply on my life and my experiences I've realized that you know it, it truly is that human experience that builds the human spirit and I'm you know look back on that loss now with such fondness and and still so much sadness but I can mm. hold that with the joy at the same time of the life and the lessons that have come from that loss as well. And um, it was really interesting though, because I was at, I was employed when I had that loss and then very soon after we closed the business and I had actually was unemployed oh, yeah. when I fell pregnant with Rupert, which is, you know, it was super daunting and overwhelming at the time. And I ended up working for a really beautiful business here in Melbourne. And they said to me, you know, they work with women. They were like, we work with women. We expect you to, be pregnant at some point in your life and career mm. and it was a women owned and run business and they were just so supportive and they employed me you know at 10 weeks pregnant and saw me through my pregnancy um until maternity leave which was to also to be able to be um what is the word not applicable available able to, to be to be able to get maternity leave which was really important to us at that time so yeah very 
interesting to have events even around the working stuff as well at that time. Wow. So what was it like to deal with having a miscarriage while also trying to work and keep work going? I think it was compartmentalising things at the time. It was like work is over here, Mm -hmm. pregnancy is over here. And, you know, what I know now versus what I knew then having, you know, had children now, I have a lot of compassion for, I guess, that version of myself that had not had children yet and pushing myself. I I definitely think I pushed through some physical stuff, um, you know, and just that exhaustion and things like that to show up in the workspace. Now my values have changed and shifted so drastically again and Mm. I wouldn't do that now. That is just so far from the way I live my life and, and what I value and do and I'm really conscious that I'm modeling for my children. And so, you know, valuing that productivity or, you know, contributing to the economy or, you know, valuing that over think the presence that I want to have with my children and want them to feel for me is a very big, it's a much, much, much bigger concept than just that little sentence, but there's so much there for me that I want to um, be able to show them now as well. It's such an interesting outlook too, because I think to an extent, even perhaps a really successful corporate driven woman who might go back to the workforce. I think to an extent that happens to all of us. It's like you try to not let, I guess, motherhood change you in a way, but then you go through it and you're like, oh, I want this to change me. It has changed me and it's actually amazing. And with that in mind, I guess the birth of Rupert was probably what led you to becoming a doula. I'm just guessing there, but I assume so. Can you tell us a little bit about that? (laughs) Absolutely. So Um, We share a mutual friend who's a very, very beautiful friend. And she was the first person to ever tell me what a doula was. And she lived in LA for a little bit. She'd come back about 10 years ago when she had her first child. I love that. It would have been happening in LA way before it was here. Absolutely. (laughs) And she used this word doula. And I was like, well, what is a doula? Like, and I was so curious. And um, as my curiosity peaked in those times where I was really starting to think about wanting to be a mom and, and what that would look like for me. I did feel quite loaded in the sense that motherhood to me didn't just feel about becoming a mum. I felt that there was something in it for me in a work sense, in a community sense, in a bigger ideas sense. I'd always worked with the youth, like when I was a youth worker, I worked majority in like female oriented oriented projects and programs. And so I knew that my focus and my energy, even around my styling work and everything, it was always about working with women Mm. and making them feel amazing and, you know, wanting to get to that real gooey center inside to make them feel valued from that inside out point. And so- And that concept of care too, I guess has come back to sort of everything you're talking about. Absolutely. And that's just so in my nature, it's in my DNA. It just is so natural for, I value it so deeply. And so I, when I was wanting to start to try to fall pregnant, I just felt like there's something in this. And that's literally how I said it to my partner. I was like, there's something in this. I don't know what it is yet. I'm it's, it was just so in the unknown yet. I couldn't know it until I had experienced it, mm. but I had like already things with motherhood. <laughs> Absolutely. And so I just, and once I fall pregnant, obviously I became just so focused on this baby and becoming a mom and what that meant. And I was also thankful to so many of my friends and people in my community who, um, you know, I had a lot of older friends, which I was really grateful to Mm -hmm. because they had so much wisdom and so much, they'd shared so many beautiful stories with me about their big transitions and how much they had changed and shifted as a person. So I did have this awareness around the transition and the 
big shift in growth, but nothing obviously compares to experiencing it yourself. And so mm. once I fell pregnant, I, st- I couldn't put, I just couldn't stop learning. I just loved it so much. I was asking everybody so many questions. I had employed my own doula. I really valued the spiritual transformation that I feel that happens in the big, the transition from, you know, just being a regular person into a parent. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I knew that it was um, a big deal and I could feel it happening to myself. So I wanted to inquire deeper and understand it. I'm big on self-inquiry, big on understanding the personal development aspect of this life. It's to me, there's not just black and white, so much gray area. And so Mm -hmm. I just wanted to lean into that and, and feel into that. So yeah, that that's ultimately what I think has brought me to this doula work was just my own passion for it my own interest and for me if I can't put something down if I can't stop learning about it then it's a huge clue that there's something in that for me um and like so- how you couldn't uh, turn off the idea of falling pregnant which I was the same it's sort of like once it was in my head I couldn't get it out yes so it's sort of again another theme here of once something sort of the fire's burning you can't put it out hell yeah that is that is <laughs> definitely the thing like and i and it, they're clues to me it's like these are clues to where the next step goes where the next mm-hmm. step lies for you and so hence why i guess there's so many things where i don't follow the status quo because it's you know <laughs> <laughs> like i that's just what feels right for me and i'm definitely mm-hmm. a feeler probably why i do this work as well i'm big on feelings big on reflecting and understanding what's going on for us from that emotional perspective as well so um and we need a language around this because it's so overwhelming Mm -hmm. there's so much going on in our bodies our brains our hormones are on fire and Mm -hmm. being able to understand that and have more compassion for myself and then ultimately being able to educate and help others understand themselves deeper is literally just the best thing I could possibly be here to offer to this community is like just all of us finding more love for ourselves, more compassion and a deeper respect and reverence for this human experience that we're all going through. It is such a wild experience. I think it's the biggest, the greatest hormone shift someone will ever go through in such a short period, giving birth. Mm -hmm. And I remember the change I felt it in myself. And you really can't, I hate saying this because you don't want to leave out groups of people that haven't had kids, but you really can't explain or prepare for how you're going to feel. I've never felt so vulnerable but also strong at the same time. It's a paradox and I'm finding everything in parenthood to be an absolute paradox. So I think having people that care for you in this space beyond your midwives, beyond your maternal care health nurses is such a big thing. But can you go a little bit deeper into explaining what a doula is and what a doula can offer someone either prenatally or in the postpartum too and even in the birth space? Absolutely. So as you mentioned, there are some doulas who uh, call themselves full spectrum doulas who work in birth and in postpartum and then even in premenstrual, understanding your menstrual cycles deeper and even understanding menopause deeper and helping you through that huge hormonal transition Mm -hmm. as well. So and there's even death doulas to help people transition from life into death and sit with their families and them and help them have the conversations that they need to have and make it a much more sacred time. And so really to me, a doula is like somebody who lifts the veil of these big human transitions that most of us all go through at some point. We all be, we, well, no, in fact, we all go through them, birth and death. Mm. And then obviously from a womb holder or someone who is, you know, identifies as female, we'll go through these big menstrual cycle shifts and mm. through having your menarche, getting your bleed, and then in through to menopause and birth. So a doula is somebody who it's, it's an originally it's originates from a Greek word, 
doula and it literally means female slave that is the direct translation how funny i know but the in the modern day understanding is it it's to be with woman it is to be with people walking through massive rites of passage and to yeah care educate and love them through that process prenatal doula or a birth doula is somebody who will support through pregnancy. There's heaps of birth education. Um, There's a lot of reverence and helping you move through those big hormonal transitions and shifts, um, helping you understand, piece your life together. It's also, I think there's so much deep personal work that happens in a birth and pregnancy. And it's a huge time where stuff will come up for you that maybe has you know has always been niggly in the past but there's a sense of urgency I think that we feel sometimes Mm. with um in our pregnancies like if stuff's going on in our family dynamics something's going on in our relationship we feel this urgency to have it sorted or have it understood and yeah feeling a little bit better and easier before we have these children and I think our children has definitely come to help us better ourselves and help us move into the next phase of our growth as a human being so being able to someone to hold space for you to to do that. I think a doula is incredibly wonderful um, in doing that. You might find it's your chiropractor or you might find that it's your, you know, psychologist, but a doula has this massive, uh, there are so many talented and incredible doulas out there who are deeply mm-hmm. educated and have so much to offer and so much love to give to these, to all of us, you know, moving through these times. And then a postpartum doula is, I, I think we feel in a little bit more, practical in some senses although I feel that my work most definitely is still deeply a spiritual in the postpartum sense as well but a lot of care based around nourishing foods prioritizing rest and helping you to achieve that rest helping you to plan for your postpartum and and calling in your village and we'll explain we'll go into that in probably more detail later but what that would look like for you and really helping you navigate this unknown time of your life and and having somebody there to reflect back to you hash it out together it's a you know there's so much it's such an intimate role as well like you see people in such vulnerable as you mentioned vulnerable and Mm. intimate times of their life where it's a big deal in our western society like western culture to let people in and see our vulnerabilities and see our softness and our mess um and that's something i'm really big on breaking that down and and not stopping that that's a big barrier for connection if we don't feel that we can let others see each other see us in our mess and then I guess it's no surprise too then that as we sort of become more vulnerable and that's becoming sort of a big topic just in society that doulas are actually also becoming more popular and more mainstream because we're seeing that link between needing to sort of I guess nourish that vulnerability absolutely and value it that it has a place Mm. and it serves a purpose and that it is actually inevitable that our breakdown in our birth and our pregnancies, birth and postpartum, that's actually inevitable. It's actually meant to do that to us. Mm. And if we look at like the different hormone, I'm, you know, if we look at the different hormonal stages of what we go through, it's actually, it's actually important. And it's a part of the way that we, you know, are needed to slow down, connect mm. in and actually build this relationship with this new little person in our lives. It's actually beneficial. And I think if we we don't value that, we go, oh my God, I'm falling apart. Oh my God, my life's a mess. Oh my God. You know, and it's like, actually, this is exactly what is meant to happen. You're doing it so right, you know? And we are truly all in it together. So it's a big, the big, big conversation that we all need to, you know, be having together. I couldn't agree more. So now I guess through how this works in your everyday life, as you said, we will get sort of 
into how that could help a working parent or a working mum a bit down the track. But how does how do you sort of schedule dual work in your weeks? Do you have a certain amount of work that you take on? How does that look for you? Yes, I do. I will flag this and say that dual work is most definitely not linear. So it is not something that is a structured amount of time. And I mm-hmm. found that that actually works for parenting so much more than having this scheduled time in. Um, in saying that, I do feel like I need to, I know when I'm having those times. So I do absolutely plan around people's lives. We book things in and that kind of thing is totally, <laughs> that that is absolutely how my I work my business. Um, but it is, I will book something in, I will say it takes two to three hours, but more often than not, I'm there for four hours or sometimes I'm only there for two and a half, truly mm-hmm. working on what that person in front of me is asking and requiring of me on that day. And that is how I will forever run this business or how I will always work in this space because it that is the nature of birth, just how we never know how long a birth is going to take and how or a labor will take. That is exactly how I approach my time with people in this working and and families working in this space so I schedule my work I tend to work after hours and my partner is home and I also Mm -hmm. work on the weekends mainly which actually quite works quite well for family life because that is also when people who I work with their partners are at home and can take maybe some older children or they're not working Mm. if they're you know if they're still pregnant usually they are working so being able to work with them in those times actually works really well for how I can actually offer my services in those scheduled slots so that is working really well at the moment I only take on very aware of that I have two small children myself I'm very Mm. big on honoring my season and walking the you know walking the talk and living out what I preach and so I'm very honest with myself very frank with the people I work with and I say like you know you'll probably have seen in my emails I have a vacation setting on that saying I have two small children I honor this season of life that I'm in. I will get back to your emails as soon as I possibly can. Usually that's between 24 and 48 hours. Sometimes it's longer if my children are unwell. Sometimes it's less if I'm right on my laptop and I respond straight away. I truly just honor what is happening in the peaks and troughs of my family life, which will then inform how I move in my you know, vocation of work. And in many ways, my work is a part of my life. It's not so separate and I I don't compartmentalize them as much I truly understand that the mother work or the family work that I offer in Mm. my doula work is actually so deeply integrated into how I move as a mother and a woman in this world as well and it is also what you're going through in your life so it's very relevant I mean Rupert's three and Honey's just over one I believe so it's quite similar timing and they're fresh feelings for you so it sort of makes sense that it works so well integrating in with your life and just on that I know that you and your partner Jack are big on 50-50 parenting, how does that work? Were there conversations that led to that? Is it just sort of the nature of who you both are or does it help that your work falls more outside of work hours? How does that work? I think for the most part, the biggest thing for us has been communication and it's always Mm -hmm. been a strength of ours in our relationship, but moving into parenthood, it it has become the highest value in, in us moving together. We value it so deeply and we really understand that the only way we can understand each other's experiences is by coming together and really voicing our truths and really trusting that that person's going to hear us and listen to us and, you know, with that compassionate and open heart. Of course, there are times when that feels like it blows up and we're still getting it right as as our children move and get older and require different things from us, different 
commitments throughout the day and week. There's so much that happens as our children grow and shift. And I'm committed to a lifelong journey of coming together and meeting each other where mm-hmm. we're at. But the biggest thing, when we, I, I found that the most big conversations happened when we had our first child. And I found that explaining to him, understanding what was going on for me hormonally and, you know, from a biological and physiological sense, being able to explain that to him and him really understanding that it deepened his respect and um, reverence for what I was going through. And I think it was also the first time where we were having very different experiences in our relationship, you know, being, we were both becoming parents, but we were experiencing really different stuff. He was still working and finding that balance of like being a parent when he gets home and figuring out Mm. how to be, you know, working away from us, really challenging. And I was feeling that with him. I'm like, you know, we, he's like, I miss you a lot when I'm at work. I just, I'm, you know, I'm jealous. I want to be at home. Mm. And then I was finding that constant, the the consistency and constantness or alwaysness of being mum really full on. And I was also finding it quite hard to navigate social outings and things like that as I, as we all do, it's like, what does this look like now? I'm a parent, you know, it's just trial and error. But I found that him understanding what I was going through and educating myself on that ultimately led to him understanding or having more compassion for what I was going through. And maybe not the deepest empathy because he couldn't understand it from his his own point of view, but Mm. definitely a sympathy and and an understanding. And that I think is actually why he supports my work so much in the long term. Now he really values what I do. He really believes that what I'm doing is so important and he I, I always say it takes a it takes a whole family to do another family I don't do this work on my own if I didn't I have Jack that. doing what he does at home with the kids and you know yeah you wouldn't be able to care for other people if there wasn't care there for your own kids 100 mm. percent. it is so important that we are all on the same page around that stuff and yeah he so when he gets home from work and I'm like I'm off, I've got a Zoom or a virtual client or I'm leaving. I've got to think that he's so on board and so gets it and, yeah, has really a big amount of compassion for for me being at home with the kids all day and working as well and then us doing that swap over is is huge. It's such an important one, communication, because it is so hard to fully explain what it is that we go through from that physiological point of view. But then also being at home with the baby, if there is, you know, that slight resentment or jealousy for each other's positions, which I'm sure there is from time to time, the dad might want to be at home or the mum might want to be at work or whatever your relationship is. I'm just explaining this sort of archetypal heterosexual relationship. But I can imagine that between a partnership of two parents, whatever that looks like, if you don't communicate, that's I think when things can really break down. And I've even seen it firsthand. If I've had a day where I've been explained how I'm feeling, it doesn't make anything better. It makes it much worse. And with that in mind, on that subject of communication, are there things that you do in particular to set up your week that you think makes your weeks flow easier? Is it anything to do with food prep or planning out the week that you think helps working parents be in it together and help each other? Definitely. I think when Sunday rolls around, I always give Jack like the what's going on for you, this is what's going on for me and this is what's going on for the kids. And so we really understand, I guess, from an energetic point of view, where everyone's energy is going through the week. For instance, you know, I've been taking my son to see this physio every week and so for the last three weeks. And so I've been really conscious of, you know, knowing that it's that may bring up some stuff for my child and I need to be there for that and we both need to be on board for that. And I tend to pad our weeks a lot more and Jack will always let me know what's going on for him or they, with his He's a, currently doing a mature age apprenticeship as a carpenter. So 
his his work has changed really drastically recently as well and so he is doing really early mornings and and you know coming home in that you know later earlier I guess early afternoon you would almost call like around three Mm. four o'clock which actually works really well for family life which is Mm. really great um having him home before that bed bath time routine hits and so yeah just telling each other what's going on if he knows he's got a big day on work on the work site where they're finishing up a job or whatever he'll let me know that I'll let him know what's going on for me and my schedule we also have a shared calendar so we let each other know so if either of us are unsure of what's happening on the week or if we just check in the calendar and then we can see what's going on I tend to use them a little bit more than Jack does that that's you know (laughs) he's working on it he tells me but he's pretty good at remembering what's going on for the week especially if he knows that it's a big week for me he will really make sure that he's on time when he gets home he'll leave straight away and get home straight away he's very respectful of that and also I I never feel like I have to call me hey where are you or whatever he's always on time and always makes that effort to know that I've been with the kids all day and that he needs to get home and so naturally usually he'll arrive home take over with the kids and then I usually get into the kitchen because I love to cook and so it's a very much of a decompression time for me unless I'm done for the day and then I'll be like foods and you know go for it you need to cook dinner tonight and that's the other thing we also meal plan so we just know what's going on for the week we've we always have our ingredients ready to go because I find that if we're rushing and whatever it all it just feels like the whole mm. day is over and it also makes space in our calendar for spontaneity and having some you know we're down in this new community and so going in and adventuring and had decided to have dinner at the beach if we're organized we know what's happening for dinner then we just pack it all up and we go down to the beach and have dinner and that that's allowed... a great point yeah. it normally feels like you're taking out the spontaneity if you're meal planning or if you're planning your lives around kids but mm. that leaves time for adventure so that's a great idea yeah and and that that nourishes all of us and gives us mm. that beautiful family bonding time and we all prefer to do that in nature so being able to get outside and you know, mm. makes that sometimes we do a picnic in the backyard because that feels more exciting and fun. And it's still a home. It's still really close by, but that just, like you said, having that fun still in the week and having that spontaneity, even around the planning has definitely made out. And also as my children have gotten older, it life's more predictable. So there feels mm. more freedom to kind of block things in around it. Whenever there's a big sleep transition happening, whenever there's sickness is obviously unavoidable and, and mm. hard to plan for. But if that's going on, then we just go back to those basic principles of postpartum, which is nourishment, rest, and I cancel everything. And everybody knows that, everyone I work with knows that that is a part of the nature of the beast, having children, having Mm. family. If I can't be there for my children, that's where the wheels start to come off. And and Jack's the same. He works with his brother. His brother is his boss and they both have small children. So they're really understanding of each other's season of life. And I, I really value that having somebody, uh, having my partner work for somebody who values where he's at in his life is, I think, also really special, not just because I'm obviously my own boss. I clearly value where I'm at, but, you know, having <laughs> your boss values your time yes, and I where value. you're at in life. <laughs> um, and I work in a space where obviously there's so much awareness around the season of life I'm in, but having him work with somebody as a, par- a parent as well is very it feels progressive. It shouldn't feel progressive, mm. but it does feel progressive and it feels like exactly the way it bloody should be. And I also think workplaces need to get way more mother-centric and understand, or parent-centric and understanding that what it truly requires to have somebody, mm. you know, a valuable team member as, you know, while they're still parenting and, and you know, getting the best out of them, supporting them. It, I don't think that fits into a Monday to Friday, nine to five anymore. We need to get more creative and and, you know, look at how we can make this 
make work make sense to somebody who finds, you know, value in, in their work. You know, if somebody feels amazing at work and a mother wants to go back to work and, and really thrives in that environment whilst alongside her parenting, amazing. Let's support her to get that, but let's help it make sense to her life. You know, it's such a good point too, because if you're not being protected or looked after at work too, in that transition period, or just at any phase of being a working parent, your output's, output's not going to be as good either. So it actually benefits literally everyone in the community and everyone in the economy to support working parents and especially working mothers, because that's obviously where things are falling very short now. I could talk to you about that for a very long time, but that is a whole topic on its own. So maybe we'll have to tackle that another day. So Charlotte, I think this is a perfect time to look at the questions that our Instagram followers put to us to ask you. And one of the first ones is about goal setting. So this is a really great question. Someone said, how do you go about setting up your goals and getting them done with setting up a side business or a passion project that you're thinking about? I was very clever in that I used my maternity leave to do a lot of that. Plus I birthed my Mm. business through the pandemic. So I was quite, um, I was quite um, lucky with the amount of time that I had to invest in this time. Plus I had my partner Mm. who lost his job through that time. So we had one child at the time and he was at home all the time. So I got to really invest in my study and, and going along that process. But I will say that I think it is a huge task and it's not something that's very rare these days. I find there's so many women who go through the experience of motherhood and ultimately find a gap in the market or they find a new passion and they, Mm. you know, when we're so deeply connected to that creation process of creating new life, I think it's so natural that we then lean in to go, oh my God, but these are also some other passions and ideas and, you know, your Mm, creative brain starts to flourish again. And that's another big one. It's like when we have time to rest, we have time to imagine, which ultimately leads us to start the creative process in our lives and there's nothing well. more creative than birthing a baby either out the birth canal or out the sunroof either way it's quite a quite an inventive uh thing that uh the human body does and there's a it's a and you say reinvention it's like it's a reinvention of who you are and how you move in the world so naturally mm. some things aren't going to align anymore and oftentimes that's your job or the career that you had prior to and mm. that's really daunting for some women who are going through the process of wanting to have a child they go well but I've worked so hard in this career. It's like, I can't imagine who I would be without this. And the, the thought of stopping work and, and not having that can be really overwhelming and scary. And so I, I guess my message is, is like, don't be afraid because there could be something even more aligned, more impactful, more mm. you know, nourishing and beneficial to your soul and your purpose in this life in the process of birthing your child. You, may, you will birth a new version of you in that process too. And it mm. could be even better than you could have ever imagined. And so I guess my, my advice around the side hustle is, is more time. Give yourself more time, more time to be creative and imagine and know that it is not going to be so straight shooter as maybe it was back in the before that. But you may find after you've experienced pregnancy and motherhood is that your brain changes shape. So our brains actually shrink by 5% in the process of That's every incredible. pregnancy. Um, and it's definitely uh, shrinkage sounds like less, but it actually helps our remodel and reconfigure our brain so that we can actually find order. And this is why women can do, or mothers can do two things at once because we can understand things completely differently the way that we wow. can before. And actually, we should call it our baby boosted brain, which <laughs> because mm. there's so much more that our brain can handle and take on it at, at times. And we're way more sensitive. And what I used to be able to get done in three hours. I can get done in half an hour now. Like it's so incredible what our we can achieve. And 
I think that's the other thing. It's like, oh God, you know, we, we, we fumble over ourselves and we think, oh gosh, I can't, you know, mm. my baby brain, and, oh God, mum brain, I'm so tired, blah, blah, blah. And it's actually, we've got so much more to give, so much more to offer in the workspaces and in the business spaces. And we just need to give it a shot and have that confidence to go out and get it. So that's kudos to everyone point. doing the side hustle along motherhood mm. and, 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 and sometimes along another career as well or another job as well. Mm. I love what you just said about being able to get more done in a smaller period of time too because I guess it perhaps is just about setting those really small goals and even if it's that half an hour, just putting half an hour aside every other day or every yep. week and slowly building it up as you maybe get used to asking for more help, getting someone to look after your child for those small little snippets of time or, you know, mm -hmm. it's just the other parent looking after them and then you slowly use that time, I guess, to chip away at whatever, whatever it is you're trying to achieve. And almost aligning your work to your your mothering or your parenting. So, mm. you know, going, oh, my child will be this age old when I want to launch my business. So kind mm. of almost, you know, you, we can't always. It's like milestones. <laughs> yeah, but knowing that there's going to be those big transitions happening yeah. around then or, you know, I, I really understanding that cyclical nature of parenting and life and, and kind of always giving spaces to the time. So, you know, around a birthday, for instance, probably not the best idea to launch a business or to have big business goals around that time. Giving spaciousness <laughs> to all of that and allowing, you know, it to not be so structured and um, linear, giving it more space to, you know, find its flow. And it's all about trial and error. Sometimes it's like, okay, that didn't work that time. That's okay. <laughs> I'm going to, you know, Thanks next so time I go through this, I'm going to, you know, give it a little bit more padding, a little bit more time or whatever that it may look like for you. That's a great answer. And so the next question was how to break up the longer days with some me time. And the same person also says, you know, when their partner gets home from work, it's straight into the bed, bath, dinner, mm -hmm. totally wrong order. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But how do they then also get some time as a partnership? Because I think obviously that's a big shock that all of a sudden all this time that you used to have with your partner after a day of work is being filled up with other things. How would you suggest someone breaks up a long day at home with a baby or a child? And then also how do they reconnect or find that little bit of time, even if it is just 20 minutes a night with their partner? I think there's there's an answer in the question there. I think it is just acknowledging <laughs> that we don't need these long, luxurious dinners or, you know, night out that may have been your love language or how you connected in the past. And it's mm. reinventing what that looks like now. And that might be a cuddle on the couch or turning the TV off and actually just looking at each other in the eyes and, you know, having a, a conversation before bed. It may be, you know, depending if you co-sleep or not, having a, a quiet chat in bed and whispering to each other before you go to bed, you know, and, and just connecting in. It may even be just be saying, what are you grateful for today? And how was your day? What went down? Mm. You know, I find that, you know, for me, prioritizing dinner and, and lighting a candle at dinner, setting that intention that this is a special time for family connection is a time where we all get to share about our days and speak about what went down. Again, that's giving space for communication to happen, giving space for that compassion to happen because you understand what went that day and the traffic was hard and, it, you know, you get why they're, they're mm. a little bit sensitive or a bit grumpy. Such a good and point. Then, yeah. And then you share, you know, what went down for you and that there were big transforms, big feelings going down and mm. that, you know, you picked up that many goddamn things off the floor today that it was just like driving <laughs> you mental, you know, whatever it yeah. is. And just being seen and heard in that can actually feel like a deeper intimacy than it would be to 
have have sex or to talk you know to um you know spend time on the couch whatever sometimes just truly being seen and understood can feel like oh like they get me and that's a big Mm. one I think to feel that is so valuable and 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 undervalued in this season of our lives and this and, and also having big compassion for things look different and life is a little bit crazy and a bit hectic right now but you can set the tone and you can change it and and feeling a little bit more power in 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 a season where we tend to feel quite powerless though where things do just you know could all go up in sort the air within the next, yeah within the yeah. Space of five minutes you know for the first time ever we're not as in control and with that in mind if you are at home really long day it's just you and the baby no one's popping in how do you try and break up the day you got to get out I'm a big one for nature using mother earth as the extra parent in my back pocket so I do find that like even on rainy days gumboots on I feel like as Melbournians or Victorians we're very good at just getting out in Mm. all weather so like gumboots on rain protected let's go let's have fun let's get messy let's like in, in just shake it up um, even I use water a lot. So water play for me is like a really big one. Cause I find water quite relaxing and my kids mm. naturally like it too. So we fill up the sink or we get outside with like a bucket of water and we just do whatever we need to do to kind of reset the day. And sometimes I'll set up an activity for them to enjoy. So I can actually sit and enjoy my coffee and sit in the sun and just like mm. take some deep breaths. Again, that model. Going to sit outside so in the sun is a big one, actually, mm. even if it's just five, 10 minutes while your baby or child is asleep. If yep. they are asleep, sometimes they're not. I don't yes. have the tip if your child won't sleep in the day. That's pretty <laughs> hard. But I would find having a coffee out in the sun, even just for five minutes, it does the world of good. And I think also putting the phone down. We mm. we tend to think, oh, we've got no time, but then we spent 10 minutes on Instagram just scrolling. And I know that's, that's yes. also a point of connection for us as moms. You know, I'm a big one for calling my mom or my sister and just like tapping into some adult conversation for myself throughout the day. Mm. I do find, though, that with friends who are working full time who have not had children yet, I do find that that has been a big transition for us because usually we would talk in the car on the way home from work together or we mm. catch up then. And I, mm. my schedule is so different to friends in the workforce at the moment. And so, you know, if you don't didn't have those family members to call, most of my families are all freelance or work for themselves as well. Go figure. <laughs> um, but just having that somebody to call throughout the day. Yeah. I, I even It's like a circuit breaker. Correct. Yes. Mm. And and I think those circuit breakers are huge. So I use nature, a phone call, like a phone a friend. And even like, I know I've mentioned the cold shower a few times now, but I, I also use that walking into another room and closing the door and just recentering myself, whether or not that yeah. is through a mindful activity, like whether or not that's putting the books away really slowly, like one by one, just like mm. allowing my nervous system to recenter or even a meditation. And sometimes that is literally 30 seconds of closing my eyes and doing some breath work and like just focusing on how I feel and giving mm-hmm. space for my feelings to be had because sometimes in parenting week are constantly parking our own needs our own emo- and that's you know physical emotional and spiritual needs just parking mm-hmm. them for the second and sure. so sometimes I just give myself the luxury of feeling my goddamn feelings mm-hmm. and be like which is actually right yeah because you just because you're constantly distracted in a way because you're constantly thinking about someone else's needs for the first time ever. So that's a really big one. And the last question that we did receive on this is creating a support network or meeting other mums. If you've moved somewhere new, I guess this person might have moved interstate by the look Mm -hmm. of their message to us. How do you go about finding those new support networks to sort of get that care and have that conversation, have people that you might be able to lean on eventually if you do go back to work or otherwise? I actually find that this is a really common 
question at the moment. I'm, mm. I'm speaking with a lot of people in my community as well through my doula work that are going through, uh, there's been a lot of shift and change in the last few years. A lot of people have had children or moved Ooh, yeah. into different suburbs, different states, lots of shift and transformation for a lot of families around Australia, around the world lately. And so I find that this is a really big one. And even for myself, this is very relevant for me. I have recently moved to a completely new suburb about 50 minutes from You're a live example, actually. I'm a live example, living (laughs) and breathing. So for me, I found um, my work has actually allowed me to find so many beautiful Mm. connections down here. Social media has been so powerful for me, being able to connect and build these relationships, um, leaning on old friendships that I haven't actually, you know, like, tapped into in a long time Mm. and reconnecting with some old friends and also using my kids as a way of meeting people so I think also it's like you know that feeling when you're traveling and you kind of like get to be whoever you like the higher version of yourself or like who you really Mm. want to be because you don't have those old expectations or people who kind of expect you to be a certain way yeah and so I'm kind of you know at the park and I'm like well I'm going to chat to that mum they're sitting standing next to me on Mm. the swing and just connecting and I naturally do. I'm quite confident. I love to chat to people. That's like my bread and butter. So I'm like, if I can have a five minute con- connection, some I've had some profound connections standing next to people on the, at the swing set and mm. in the playground. Don't know their name. Don't get their mobile number. But again, that feeling of being seen and understood and heard in that moment. And like, having an adult conversation. Having that adult conversation is just mm. so big. But then I, I you know, going that next mile and being like, hey, what is your number? I would love to see you again. This is that whole thing about making friends as adults. It's mm. not easy and we don't it's find so it. It's so clunky. Yes. But looking to our kids, literally letting them show us how it's done, you just got to go up and say hi. And and again, coming back to if you have a why, I need this village because ultimately it's going to serve me mm. in the long run of my family, then you you have that sense of urgency and sense of determination that I guess leads you to have that conversation or invite somebody new over to your home show your vulnerability, show your mess, invite them in and they will feel seen in you showing them who you are. And that's, I think, a really beautiful way to build this community. I think it's literally just that getting out there, getting messy. It's You're not going to connect with everyone and that's okay. No. You know? Mm. But most people are looking for connection and relevance and resonance at this time of their life. So go out there and you be the leader. You call it in, you invite it, you start it, you know, and be that firelight that ultimately is going to, you know, once you tap into one network of people, it's like you go into the next and to the next and to the next. And we we support our children to that. We expect our children to go and make friends. Like, Why well, don't we? It's yeah. funny, isn't it? It's such yeah. a funny thing that we get as adults. It's even clunky. You don't want to seem too keen on an adult friend. It's so <laughs> funny. But I've actually done that as well through Instagram. I've messaged girls that I sort of know that live near me Correct. and said, hey, yeah. I know you became yeah. a mum recently. I also have a son he's a few months younger than yours let's hang out and at the worst you catch up and you might not see each other again or you might create a really good friendship so I think that's a great one and something that I've really noticed in what you've been talking about today is finding your why whether that's Mm. in business or in your support network or as a parent Mm. and how important communication is so I think they're really good takeouts for this in terms of both parenting and your career and the readjustments that come with both those things through becoming a mother or a father is finding your why in all the things you do and really respecting the value of communication and of leaning on other people. Absolutely. And I think that's even goes into like, if you are a sole trader or a solo business owner and you work quite independently the way I do, 
I've actually mm. gone out to find people who do the work that I do and you know, because I need that feeling of resonance and relevance and to be understood by them mm. because it helps me process and, and navigate what this space is for me as well and what working as a mother looks like as well. And so don't underestimate the power of like reaching out. There's so many people who just want those conversations too. Mm. And got a, I guess in that sense of communication, if you've got a boss or, you know, your coworkers leaning on them who may be going through those similar transitions to you as well. And really big communication with you know your bosses and and the people that you work with I think is is huge as well Charlotte this has been really interesting I think a lot of people probably don't align a talk around career with the work of a doula but I think that the two go hand in hand so well not only from the creative sort of finding your new passion as a working woman but also in what we can learn from the work of doulas and how that can support our parenting and working journey. So thank you very much for coming onto the show today. No, beautiful, Luz. I really enjoyed chatting with you and I feel like there's a niche there that you have totally called and I'm so grateful to have this conversation with you and hope that so many working parents can feel the benefit of your support moving forward as well. Thanks for listening to Ready or Not. If you like the show, please tell your friends, subscribe or leave a review. You can also find us on Instagram at readyornot.pod. In acknowledging the traditional owners of country throughout Australia, each week I'll be doing a shout out to an Indigenous business or charity doing great things. This week, it's the Indigenous Literacy Foundation, a national charity working with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander remote communities across Australia. I just ordered my son Ray a beautiful book about crocodiles from their online shop which will support First Nations writing and stories in remote communities. That's all for today. We'll see you next time.